minutes ago as we're brought to you by golden entertainment you know they own the strat which they've completely redone so if you go into the strat you go to the top of the strat or you go to the bottom of the strat you won't believe what it looks like they own arizona charlie's the laughlin entertainment center 64 taverns here in town they fuel the monologue best happy hour in town 5 to 7, midnight to 2 a.m. So they catch you in the middle of the day, at night if you're in the industry and you want to get a cocktail and game and eat on your way home. We thank PTs for starting off the show every day with me. The big news also is, again, yesterday we had Mary Kay Cabin on uh, from Cleveland.com. She's the authority. The other one is Tony Grossi, who covers the Browns. Deshaun Watson has settled 20 of his 24 civil lawsuits today. And they're in the process of getting the paperwork done. Uh, That's a big deal because I think he's finished now for settling. Never thought he would settle because once he settled, he's admitting that something was wrong. So he's settling and we all know now that his behavior was crude and rude. He doesn't want to go through the courts. He doesn't want to wait it out. Maybe the NFL told him this. We don't know. Maybe the NFL said to him, look, we're about to start. This thing, we don't want to deal with this anymore. You better figure this out and settle, and we'll suspend you, or we're going to suspend you anyway, even if you don't settle. That's what I think happened, everybody. I think what happened, and it'll come out in the next couple of days or weeks, is that Deshaun Watson knew that they could not adjudicate this during the regular season, couldn't figure this out. He's a football player. He can't spend all the time on these lawsuits, and he just wrote a check to settle on all this. But all the female viewers of the NFL now, have a reason to say, I'm never going to watch this guy. I'm never going to support this guy. And Cleveland fans are going to know that he settles. Now, he settled because his attorneys probably thought that was the best way of putting this behind him. You know, a lot of people who don't get charged criminally that are in a civil lawsuit, they just decide to settle to get on with their lives. But when you're settling something like this, we're not talking about wire fraud, white-collar crime, something you did with money. You know, you stole money, you did this, you could go to jail, whatever it is. This happens to do with the treatment of an athlete against women, female masseuses. And clearly now we know that he was in the wrongdoing as these lawsuits are getting settled or he just doesn't have any fight left in him. The attorney, Tony Busby, is really the big winner in this situation because all these lawsuits came out and he just started adding more and more women. The first woman was named Ashley Solis. She was the first woman to file a lawsuit against Watson, and she followed through with it. And while she stood up, and this is what Busby said, quote, Ashley Solis is one of the heroes of this story. Her case has not settled, and thus her story and that of other three brave women will continue. I look forward to trying these cases in due course, consistent with other docket obligations and the court schedule. So this is going to have a big effect on the power of the NFL this year. Nestor Aparicio covers the Ravens. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour. I was actually in Amsterdam with him and bumped into him a week or so ago. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate. The odds are going to change on the Cleveland Browns because everybody knows the suspension is coming. Russell Baxter, the great NFL historian and research man, will join us next hour. We'll talk to him about this issue and how it affects the NFL. Uh, And for the Raiders, this is a team in the AFC. This is a team in the AFC, and when it comes to the Raiders not playing Cleveland, if you look at this and wonder what's going to happen, well, there are other teams that the Raiders are competing against in the AFC for a playoff position that are going to play Cleveland and not face Baker Mayfield or Deshaun Watson. 
So indirectly, that has an effect on the Raiders and the entire AFC. So we'll keep an eye on that today. If you have anything you want to add on this, it's a good time to call in on this topic because the Raiders went through more hell than any team last year because of Henry Ruggs. The Henry Ruggs situation really divided the NFL, hurt the Raiders. They lose their star young player, and he's done. He's finished in football. Well, Deshaun Watson, this is a different situation. He didn't kill anyone in an accident, and he's not criminally going to jail. But it's a massive distraction. And if you're a Cleveland Brown fan listening in Vegas today or you're streaming the show, I mean, this is embarrassing. Uh, they, they played this hand wrongly. I think Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the team, if you would have went to him and said, look, if he ends up settling, do you want to give him $240 million guaranteed if he settles? He probably would have said no. Everybody thought that Watson would try to clear his name because it was cleared criminally, and he'd try to clear it in civil court but they decided not to. So that, along with Rob Gronkowski, is a massive story today. And I'd like your opinion on it, 702-365-9200. Don't have a lot of time for phone calls today. we got some really good interviews lined up. So when you get a chance to get in, jump on in, and we'll get going here. Uh, other big story is Darren Waller was on the Dan Patrick Show. And it was a pretty good interview. A lot of it talked about his drug use in the past and some of the problems that he had along the way which was very compelling. I didn't hear the interview, but I listened to some of the sound bites of that, and a lot of it had to do with his addiction and his past issues. But some of the questions which have to do with now with the Raiders, first off, Dan Patrick, on the contract status of Waller going forward. Um, as, at the very moment, I have two years left on my deal. Okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, in the negotiation phase, and uh, let my agent with the team handle that. I'm um, just focused on getting ready for camp. Yeah, but Devontae took all the money. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, we'll see. The team, they, we'll see. We'll see. Darren signed an extension not too long ago, and he agreed to terms on that. He could have waited and waited and got more money. He chose not to. I don't want to get in a debate on Darren Waller's money because I'm a big fan of his. Great fan of Darren Waller since he's been here. And they're going to figure it out. He was asked about the playoff loss with the Raiders if they beat Cincinnati. Could have went deeper into the postseason. It stung for a bit. Uh, I don't. I don't really dwell too much uh, in losses for a while. You take what you what you learn from it. For us, it's uh, you know red zone execution on offense, and uh, we got to be able to do that. So learn that lesson and try not to wallow in it and have self pity and just move on. So this is an interesting conversation. It gives us an opportunity to talk about Darren Waller today, if you like. I have no need to talk about Darren Waller today. As I told you, when there's, when there's no Raider news, I don't spend a lot of time on the Raiders in the summer doing sports talk radio. I'm not going to do a position battle with practice squad players. But Waller moves the needle. And you might think that the remaining money that the Raiders have under the cap it would be a good time to extend Darren Waller. Or he agreed to terms and has two years left on his deal. And maybe Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels want to see him in the system here. They want to see him on his own before they reward him with the contract extension. I'll give you an example. I'm a big Yankee fan. Aaron Judge, he was trying to uh, put together a contract extension with the Yankees, and the Yankees offered him a lot of money, but Judge wanted a lot more. So they couldn't get it done in time, so the season started, and Judge is having an MVP year. So it's going to cost the Yankees more money to sign Judge, a lot more money. So the Yankees guessed, and they wanted to play it out a little bit longer. But now Judge is winning that debate. And with Darren, he signed the contract and the extension. He agreed to terms, and he's got two years left. 
So if he had one year left on the contract, that would be interesting. But Hunter Renfro got an extension. Derek Carr got an extension. Max Crosby got an extension. And Devontae Adams got one of the largest contracts in football history. So I think Mark Davis has been really generous with the money, right? You don't hear anyone in professional sports saying that the Raiders don't spend. And you don't hear a lot of that in football because everybody in football knows they have to spend a minimum and there's a cap. So most of these teams spend the money because the franchises are going up and they're going through the roof. And the players have negotiated with their union that they get a certain percentage of the television contract. And the television contract continues to go through the roof with the addition of Amazon coming in for Thursday night football and all the other platforms, right? ESPN pays more every time it deals up. So does NBC. So does CBS and Fox. And I don't know if that's ever going to change. You would think someday it would change where one of these networks would say no. And if they do say no, then Apple will come in. Facebook will come in. Someone will come in and double it. So the amount of money that the owners are making and the players are making is enormous. But with the NFL, there are no guaranteed contracts. And I don't believe in the guaranteed contracts in the NFL because the sport's too violent. If you pay a guy over three years guaranteed and he gets hurt in his second game and you got to pay him for three more years, no, it doesn't work that way. It hasn't worked that way. I don't think it's going to change, but we are seeing, thanks to Kirk Cousins, who's the biggest pioneer, I think, in NFL football history when it comes to money. Kirk Cousins was the first player to get guaranteed money, $84 million guaranteed, and he got it all. And now he's getting new money. So it's all about the guaranteed contract that you can get. And there's several Raiders now making big, big money. Big money. The way Derek Carr structured that contract, it's unique. You know, there is a lot of money, but it isn't guaranteed. Derek was good with that. Uh, Derek's making really good money, and he's going to have to continue to play well to capture all that money throughout the course of the contract, which I, it looks like he will. Josh McDaniels loves him. He's the quarterback of this franchise. So that's another big topic as we get going here. So we got Deshaun Watson settling. What's your opinion on that? Rob Gronkowski retiring. Where do you rank him all time as a tight end? I don't know how you don't have him in the top two, everybody. I'm serious. I mean, at times he can be a knucklehead. He's got his pool parties in Vegas, and you know he's, he's a sharp guy. And he's made a lot of money, and you can't take away those championships. And on top of it, in the Super Bowls and the playoffs, he made a lot of big plays. Now, he wasn't a future Hall of Fame tight end that made a play here and there. He made big plays in the Super Bowl, deep in the AFC championship game. I think he's one of the greatest players of all time. So we'll touch on that as we get into this today. Now, one other topic I want to get here into the monologue brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. Remy Martin as they introduce the botanist gin. That would be Brooks Kepka, a bailing on the PGA Tour and going to live golf. And I got that one right. Chalk that up for me. I said that two weeks ago on this show. When this all happened, before I went on my trip, I said Brooks Kepka is the perfect guy for live golf. He doesn't seem to care about anybody. Doesn't care about anybody. He seems to be a guy who's always pissed off. He, he doesn't seem completely dedicated to his craft. He's not dedicated the way other golfers have been. He's nowhere near a Tiger Woods in regards to preparation. And Brooks took the money. So here's another golfer taking enormous money to play for the Saudis and for Saudi Arabia's money. And he'll handle it fine. He's not going to melt down like Phil Mickelson. 
He's not going to have a press conference and lose it like Phil did. He's going to tell everybody, hey, I'm doing it. He's not going to care about any of the reporters. He was going to answer the questions quickly and move on and let the next guy go behind him. So the breaking news today is the PGA Tour came up with more expensive events that's going to kick off in 2023 that would give their elite golfers the opportunity to make more money. So once the Saudis decided to get into golf, it made money for the golfers who are staying on the PGA Tour. That's the big news today. If you don't leave the PGA Tour and you go to live golf, if you stay on the PGA Tour, the PGA is panicking, rightfully so, and they're increasing the purses for all of this. I like golf a lot, but I like to watch the stars. There's only a handful of stars in golf, and it's really hard to win in golf because the guy who's ranked 30th or 45th or 60th can win any time. It's golf. You can win at any point in time where you can have a good couple of rounds and you're on the leaderboard Sunday and win. But this is a huge story because it's dividing golf and it's dividing all of us with our opinions on politics and sports. What it's doing is we're sitting right here wondering where we stand on this. Do we leave these athletes alone and let them compete for as much money as possible? Or do we hold over their head that they're dealing with a country that has human rights violations? And if we're going to do that, then we shouldn't get gasoline anymore. We should all have electric cars. We shouldn't be dealing with anything that's Saudi-related. And all of our big companies here in the United States are doing business with Saudi Arabia. I don't care if it's televisions, if it's phones, whatever it is in technology here. So we're doing a lot of business, but we're not screaming at the CEOs of those companies and the CFOs. We have independent contractors who work in oil and gas and do all this, and they work in Saudi Arabia. Why? Why does someone who works for Exxon Mobil or someone who works for Shell or another oil company go, you know, I'll drill oil over in Saudi Arabia. Why? Because they triple your salary. Triple it. So someone who cares about money leaves his wife and kids at home and goes to Saudi Arabia and works there and brings in triple the money for their family. Do we put those people on the news? So as I continue to repeat this, because we have new listeners every day, I would not compete on the live tour if I was a professional golfer. I would not, but I understand why this money grab is happening. And it is a massive money grab as we speak right now. So that's all I can do here every day. Talk about 17 minutes, give you about six or seven topics and hope one of them interests you and you can jump on here and we can get it going. Uh, my son, who's rebuilding my uh, social media, and he's getting, he's getting more feedback than I'm getting. So I'm loving this right now. Uh, we put this out before the show at JT The Brick. What is the most important Raider game? That was yesterday. Remember we did that yesterday and everybody, I couldn't believe it. Charger game, week one. Got the highest result. And today on Raider Nation Radio 920, tell me who is in store for their biggest offensive season yet under Josh McDaniels. That would be Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, Josh Jacobs, or Darren Waller. And we already got some good activity on that at JT The Brick and on Raider Nation 920 as we open up the show. So that's where we're going today. And I'm excited to be on the radio today. I'm excited about what's happening coming up here. And we're just about ready to launch the Summer of Cliff Branch. Uh, we're very cool. We got a lot of imaging. Uh, we got a lot of sound bites. Bobby did a great job going on YouTube. The Raiders helped us with this. So for most of the summer, we're going to be coming in and out of break with Cliff Branch touchdowns, sound bites of Cliff Branch, sound bites of other people talking about Cliff Branch because 
There is nothing more important to the Raiders this summer than the induction of Cliff Branch into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. The Raiders will be in Canton, Ohio, playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. They start early because they have the first preseason game. It's going to be a long preseason. we got a lot of games. And the Raiders, I don't have any clue. Do you? Do you? Can someone help me? Does anybody know who's going to play in the preseason? I don't know. Josh McDaniels was a head coach once in Denver. I don't recall who played in the preseason back then. I remember Tim Tebow was there, and Tim Tebow won a playoff game. For everybody who mocked Josh McDaniels, Tim Tebow won several games and a playoff game. Didn't get to the playoffs, won a playoff game. And I don't recall who played in the preseason that year. So for years, I've kind of evolved on this topic. I've always said, if you got a guy like Alex Leatherwood, he's only going to get better if he plays. You're not going to get better in practice every day. A little bit he will. His conditioning is very important. Is he strong? Are they working on his footwork? What's he doing with his hands? But you've got to get him in games. Now, Derek Carr doesn't have to play a down in the preseason. Why would you play Josh Jacobs? It seems like they have a backup running back or two that could carry the load in the preseason. Why would you play Darren Waller in the preseason? Why? He got hurt last year. He was hurt. Devontae Adams is the most important piece this franchise has had in a long time. Remember, this franchise tried to get Antonio Brown, who was a better receiver, better, flat out than Devontae Adams at that point in his career, and that flamed out at training camp. Hunter Renfro, do you want to see Hunter Renfro running in routes in the preseason? You know what he does with Derek Carr. You know the chemistry that they have. So with all these preseason games that they have, I don't know who's going to play. And, and when you look at the practice squad players and the backups and the reserves who are going to play, yeah, I want to see what they can do. Don't have to see a lot of Max Crosby. Don't have to see much of Chandler Jones at all. But I'd like to see some linebackers and some safeties and especially some corners play. And they'll build up special teams, which is always huge. Special teams is always tremendous for a Bill Belichick team, which Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler learned under. And I think we're going to see a lot of special teams work along the way. So that's where we're at as we open up the show. Hope you enjoy what we have lined up today. Uh, Nestor Aparicio at the bottom of the hour on Deshaun. We got a lot of Deshaun Watson guests today because that's the breaking news. And it's an AFC quarterback. And I think he's going to be suspended for the entire year. After these settlements, I think Roger Goodell and his team just got to come down with the hammer and say, you're gone for a year. If they do 10 to 12 games, that's pretty much a year. And 10 to 12 games is you know, three quarters of the season. So maybe they do that, but I think they want to set the precedent going forward that if any player in the NFL treats women poorly in a sense of a business environment or a medical environment or getting a massage for treatment and you do this and you settle with 20 of the 24 women admitting that there was some type of wrongdoing, you can't let that guy play football. You can't. It's conduct detrimental to women. And the league can't afford to say, we're going to be light on this topic. I think they got to come down with the hammer. And if correct me if I'm wrong, I think the hammer is one full season. And they don't have a quarterback other than Jacoby Brissett to play there. So I don't know what they're going to do. They're not going to win with him. And they don't have Baker Mayfield because they slapped Baker Mayfield and quit on him and signed this guy, Deshaun Watson. I still believe everything I just said, Deshaun Watson is a top five quarterback in the league. No matter if he plays a down or not, I have him in the top five in the elite category. Not borderline elite. He's elite. He's a brilliant player. 
his arm, his ability to make plays outside the pocket, his accuracy, everything that he does. And he's not playing, so he's not getting hurt. And he's not putting any wear and tear on his body, but it puts Cleveland back another full season. What are your thoughts on anything I had to say there? Jump on board, 702-365-9200. And who has the best season of their offensive career at Twitter, at JT the Brick. Jeff Sherman will join us here in about 20 minutes. Uh, the NBA draft is coming up on Thursday. And we'll also get the moving odds in the NFL and how this affects Cleveland going forward with some type of suspension. Jump on board. Good to talk to you again as we got a newer lineup here. Vinny in the mornings with Heidi and Clay. And we still have Q doing a great job coming on after my show every day for three hours. And then I'm right here from noon to two to get you going through lunchtime. Speaking of lunch, Grimaldi's, we got $50 gift cards. We'll be giving away three or four a month uh, on Twitter, or we'll give them away to some of the callers if you chime in and add to the show. So when we come back, Nestor Aparicio uh, represents the Ravens. I think the Ravens are the biggest winners in that division in the offseason. Pittsburgh has got two new quarterbacks, Trubisky and Pickett, trying to get a job. And, you know, Cleveland's a mess. Let me get to Ryan and Henderson to kick it off. Ryan, thanks for holding ahead. Hey, JT, it's Ryan, actually. But um, Thanks, Ryan. I was going to say, uh, a massage ther- licensed massage therapist of uh, 12 years, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very involved in sports and everything. And uh, for these uh, massage therapists to go through all this is crazy, you know, because already if you're a legitimate uh, practitioner, you know, you offer your body work for a living, you're pretty much handcuffed to your client, you know. Uh, so all of this, he has probably been doing this for a long time, you know, and finally, uh, you know, the dam broke. And yeah. um, it's uh, it's crazy that this day and age, you know, that these athletes who think like this, that think they can get away with it with no repercussions. And as far as I'm concerned for the Raiders, and, you know, I hope that it, it uh, you know, it damages a, uh, the Browns for the long term, you know, because they're still threatening the AFC North. They have a really good, uh, mm-hmm. really good team up there. Uh, their running game is really good, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a shame that this had to happen. But um, in the in the long haul, I think it's going to send a message to everybody. You know, if you're mm-hmm. dealing with a massage therapist, you know, body worker, chiropractor, whatever, you got to be mm-hmm. on your A game because yeah. they're not going to deal with any of this in the long term. Yeah, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I talked to a current football player who shall remain nameless, who told me he has one massage therapist, a female, and they sign disclaimers, they come to his home, and he has a camera in the room on at all times during the therapy. That's, that's, the, that's what athletes do. They know someone, they're on the payroll. One person does the massage, works on the player. They sign all the documents, and there's a camera on them at all times. So they can't say anything. And the athlete can't be in a situation where he has to defend something that he didn't do. Most athletes know that. Deshaun Watson was running around with 60-plus different women for obvious reasons. Now it should affect the Cleveland Browns. Nestor Aparicio at the bottom of the hour. I am a survivor of assault and harassment. Deshaun Watson is my assaulter and my harasser. Deshaun Watson assaulted and harassed me on March 30th, 2020 
in my own home, doing what I love most, massage therapy. That is Ashley Solis, uh, one of the victims there, one of the people involved in the lawsuit, and she still goes forward with her lawsuit. JT, back with you, Raider Nation Radio. My good friend, Nestor Aparicio, who I hung out with in Amsterdam for several nights, the great sports talk host out of Baltimore. Nest, good to talk to you. Have the rest of the trip wrap-up since we broke away late at night at a great bar drinking ice-cold beer. Well, um, Mick didn't show up, and somehow my Dutch improved. You know, I don't know what else to say. You know, I, I'm, I'm fluent in Dutch now after four days in Amsterdam. Well, the problem was Mick did show up. He showed up to the stadium and took a rapid COVID test and failed. If, if, he, if he would have took that at the hotel earlier in the day, he might have passed, and we missed out on that. But we had a good time either way. And we had such a good time in Amsterdam. It was great bumping into you and your wife and the fact that your wife was there with the gentleman who saved her life in regards to what happened. Just give us the quick backstory on this because it was such a beautiful thing to see you connecting with that group over there on the other side of the pond. Well, my wife was uh, diagnosed with leukemia in March of 2014 and needed a bone marrow transplant at uh, Johns Hopkins here in Baltimore and uh, needed a donor on the, the bone marrow registry and found a 20-year-old man in Germany who uh, donated his bone marrow, went through a lot of hardship, a lot more than we realized, flying uh, across Germany to another city, flew five hours to the other side of Germany um, to, uh, to do an overnight, gave blood, saved her life once. Um, she, she survived and did pretty well for a year and then uh, was re-diagnosed in 15, and he stepped up and saved her life again in uh, late 2015. She survived into early 16 and is doing great. She actually literally uh, got a clean bill of health early this morning. So knock on wood and uh, say your prayers and do all that good stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, the man in Germany is uh, now 28 years old and uh, eight years ago saved her life for the first time. We've gotten to know him, and we sort of travel around Europe with him from time to time. Nicely said. <laughs> Nicely said. It was really cool to be a part of that. Nestor Aparicio joins us. So with the Deshaun Watson news, this has a big effect with Baltimore and the Ravens because the Ravens in that division are dealing – with Cleveland, probably, I think their quarterback's going to get suspended at least 12 games or a full season. And then down the road in Pittsburgh, clearly Pittsburgh is breaking in either Trubisky or Pickett. So there's a new quarterback there. What's the vibe like in Baltimore now? We're getting ready back to compete for the division title. Well, we asked Lamar Jackson if he's going to show up for training camp, and he sort of waffled on that. He wasn't in for OTAs. He showed up for mandatories. Uh, he's working on the final year of a $23 million deal, uh, vastly underpaid uh, per the market. And, you know, talking about a guy who was an MVP of the league, right? So uh, looking for a deal. Uh, negotiation is very, very um, unorthodox, shall we say, in regard to uh, the fact that he, he doesn't have an agent, you know, to speak of, right? So mm-hmm. there's a, a lot going on in regard to their summer not just the fact that half the team was injured last year, Lamar being one of them, new defensive coordinator, new punter. Uh, you know, after the two decades of Sam Cook, they drafted a kid from, from Penn State to come in and punt. And um, so, you know, there's a lot of change going on. The, both the running backs were injured last year. Both the cornerbacks were injured last year. Their left tackle, who is their highest-paid guy, and certainly Ronnie Stanley, uh, should be no secret mm-hmm. to anybody, sort of a lottery pick and a Notre Dame guy, signed a big deal blew out his leg, hurt himself again after the game against the Raiders last year to kick off the season, 
and you know, literally didn't play the rest of the year. He's a guy to really count on in that offense. I mean, a lot has changed from a couple of years ago where this was run Lamar left, run Lamar right. Let's you know win 14 games. Um, you know, Marshall Yonda's not here. There's not a, a, a Ronnie Stanley. Obviously, Orlando Brown was their right tackle at that point. Now the left tackle for the Chiefs trying to beat you guys up. So a lot of change, just a lot of change. And Harbaugh's great at managing this. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is Eric DaCosta's first turn through this. But this is Lamar Jackson's chance to get paid or not get paid or show his leverage or, you know, take the NBA route and power his way into another place, which is what Deshaun Watson wound up doing. But to your point, this isn't even about football anymore, or Lamar, the injury, or any of that. This is really about the crazy contract that, uh, you know, Jimmy Haslam gave to Deshaun Watson not even all the things off the field he's done, which is bad enough, and whether he'll actually play or not, but what it does to negotiations for every quarterback moving forward, really every player in the league moving forward regarding uh, guaranteed money. And, and Brick, you, you know, you and I have been at this a long, long time. This, this was a threshold. This is a different kind of a deal that they did for Deshaun Watson that's changed the market. I, and I go on Baltimore radio and say, look, Cleveland's getting even screwing us back now because um, we're going to have a hard time signing our quarterback or it's going to wind up being a whole lot more expensive for Steve Bishotti than anybody thought this was going to be, you know, 10 weeks ago. Nestor Aparicio joins us, WNST in Baltimore. So I, I find it fascinating, and it's smart for Lamar not to have an agent and not to have to pay those enormous fees if he does something which he should in the $200 million range. Everybody thinks this is kind of a lock, or is there any wild card out there at any point in time where there could be a number where Bishotti won't go to? How confident are you? that Lamar is going to get this contract done without an agent and everything's going to go along smoothly. Well, my confidence is that the Ravens always get this stuff done. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm re-releasing Purple Rain 1 right now, the book I wrote in 2001 with Pete Raiders, all those stories. ESPN came in to do a 30 for 30, so that's going to wind up on your television screen at some point, you know, I guess in the next six to nine months. And, and I'm re-releasing Purple Rain 2. And I'll tell you what, you know, over 27, 28 years of, the team being here, Ozzy and Eric have made every decision. There has never been a player. Maybe C.J. Mosley was a guy they would have preferred to have kept, but the Jets just kind of overwhelmed him at a time where they didn't have a cap number that was right for him. But I can't think of anybody that walked out the door. And I, You go to any of their highly paid players, whether it's Bart Scott, Adelis Thomas, you know, any of those guys, if they didn't have a strategy. They knew they were losing those guys. I mentioned Orlando Brown already. I mean, they knew they weren't going to go giving him a whole bunch of money. They knew they weren't going to make him their left tackle. So they went out and did business and turned it into a running back who now is hurt in, in Reddick. They're trying to get him back on the field. But um, they're really good at utilizing their assets. And, you know, part of their assets being their, their pocketbook, they've never lost a player that they really wanted mm-hmm. uh, because of the market. And I don't know that that's the case here, but I don't know if they want to be married to Lamar at 28 or 29. Lamar was texting or tweeting weird stuff in the middle of the draft when they traded his best friend on the team, Hollywood Brown, who asked off the team. And then they traded him off the team. And, you know, Lamar had some prickly about that and pointed that out. And uh, then Lamar held out of OTAs. And there's a leadership issue there is to say, like, are you all in? Or do you not want to be here? Or where do you want to be? And the press conferences are, you know, mostly nonsense, honestly, Brick. I mean, I don't feel like I'm getting anything uh, of, of, of real integrity or honesty in the negotiation. You know, uh, Lamar said that he did not 
come to OTAs over contract. It clearly was contract related, right? He's been at every other OTA. You go giving him two hundred fifty million dollars. I would hope that he's showing up for OTAs. He's your quarterback, right? Your franchise quarterback. So there's you know all of this speculation around it, but the Ravens have been good at this and getting what they want and. I don't know that anybody really thought he was going to play under the rookie contract and just, mm. hey, dude, $23 million, you signed at the Players Association, you're just going to play. Uh, you know, I guess that's conventional thinking until a cat goes and gets $230 million of guaranteed money and might not even get on the field in your own division. Right. I don't know how you go out there and play for $23 million at this point. And I'm not saying he's going to hold that or they got to get it done. I'm just saying we're getting to the point now where – there's going to be a marriage or a divorce, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. getting to that point here where if he does play on that number and plays the way Joe Flacco did uh, 10 years ago and forced me to write a book about it, then you would say, well, you know, he'll, he'll make more money. Lamar's, been, Lamar's making a lot more money just breathing at this point because the, the cost of signing him keeps going up, and Steve Bishotti knows that. Nestor Aparicio, as we wrap it up. So you go to the NFL owners meeting. Not only do you uh, cover the Ravens at a high level, you cover the NFL for close to 30 years. What is your perception now of Mark Davis as he moved the team from Oakland to Vegas and now what Vegas has with the Super Bowl coming online? Raiders made the playoffs last year with 10 wins after the Henry Ruggs accident, the John Gruden emails. As you look way back, as I have my binoculars, looking back to the beautiful coast of Baltimore, what's your perception of the Raiders going into the season? Well, I, I would say this. There's, uh, you know, there's money there now, right? I, mm-hmm. My thought always in Oakland was, they, much like the baseball team there, right? much like our baseball team here in Baltimore, is where is the money part of this to, that's going to sustain it? And there's no longer an issue about that for the league, for Las Vegas, where the franchise is going to be. And the Raiders, and Brick, I mean, you're their guy. I mean, I saw you get recognized by Raiders fans in Europe, right? Like, not only are, is that possible, but they are really a... A, uh, a pirate team in every sense of the word, that there are Raiders fans everywhere. They descend now upon Vegas. It's become like a Broadway act, quite frankly, right, in the stadium. And if you get to come in for one game a year and you're a Raiders fan, you feel good about that. Uh, if you, I guess you're up, up in Oakland. Maybe you don't, but maybe you come to three or four. Um, you mm-hmm. travel with the team. They, they are um, – the European model is what I would say, right? I mean, they the league hopes to go over to London and Frankfurt and do these sort of regional teams in the way that I guess the Steelers have become that and the Cowboys over the course of time. But the Raiders, more than any other team, have moved around enough and brought a fan base and made the fan base bigger. And I think they're going to be able to service the fan base now. I mean, I literally, it's going to, it's, it costs money to play. It's Vegas. But I think they're going to be a representative franchise. And I think anybody who was laughing at Mark Davis, you know, didn't see the zeros at the end of the deal that he got from Nevada to be there. Last one with about two minutes. You, my wife, your wife, we were at such peace sitting on the canals in Amsterdam. And I said to you, this is what San Francisco should be. This is what Baltimore can be. I think the main difference for me was crime, harassment, And the fact that it was so peaceful there, you didn't have to look over your shoulder. You didn't have to wonder if there was going to be this accident in the street. This guy was going to come after you. I never been at peace more than I was sitting out for four or five days on the canals in these cafes in Amsterdam. Can we get the United States and a a place like that here? Because we have the beauty and the cliff and the oceans and many cities that are on the water, but it's nowhere near Amsterdam for me and you. 
Well, I um, after you and I parted, I spent you know three more nights in Amsterdam, and I and you know, my wife wasn't feeling the greatest, and I you know I ended up this late at night wandering the streets, buying shawarmas on the street, and you know seeing the architecture and just watching people and sitting in cafes and drinking Heineken and doing my thing. I, I there there is something about traveling. And I know less than 20% of our population, probably your listenership, my listenership, has a passport or has ever even been to Canada or Mexico, right? Like left the mm-hmm. continent and, or, or been past Disney World or wherever, you know, their place would be or Vegas, right? I, I just would say that when you travel, it is eye-opening to mm-hmm. speak to people, to be in different cultures, to hear different languages, to, to tour the Anne Frank house, which you did before I did, which was one of the most powerful, powerful, yeah, powerful moments of my life. I mean, it was just overwhelmingly powerful. And, I, you know, just to see the resiliency of the European people in regard to COVID, mm-hmm. in regard to how much they love football, soccer, as we call it. And we here in Baltimore lost our World Cup bid this week, so I'm a little, little salty about that, more than a little salty about that. But um, the, the European thing's cool, and everyone who can and is, you know, blessed enough to have abundance in their life that they can make a trip like that, that it will, you'll be rewarded. You know, Absolutely. you'll be rewarded by traveling. Yeah. Take care, my friend. Good to see you. Best to your wife. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. There he is, Nestor Aparicio. So trippy that I'm in Amsterdam. I look at Facebook. He looks at me on Facebook. He's like, I'm here. I'm like, let's get together. We had a nice dinner, had a nice night out. A lot of fun. Good guy, covers the Ravens at a high level. Look, someone's going to benefit from Deshaun Watson not being able to play. I would pretty put. Put everything on the line. It's going to be the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think Pittsburgh's going to have the offense to do it. Cleveland is an absolute mess now. When you look at that division, I think Baltimore's sitting back going, we can get to the top and get a home playoff game again. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate next. Headman left side feed Maroon across the line. Kucherov left circle. Back from Maroon behind the net. Cuts in front. Back in front. Score! And Maroon! 5-2 Lightning! How about the Lightning? They pounded away at Colorado. JT back with you. Always a pleasure to talk to Jeff Sherman, VP of Risk Management, over at the Westgate. So, Jeff, I want to start in your wheelhouse with Brooks, Brooks Kepka leaving, leaving the PGA Tour. How that could affect the number going forward without Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, and the PGA looking to add more revenue next year with some of these super tournaments. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting how this is playing out. So the PGA Tour responded, and they're looking at adding, adding some uh, no-cut fields. Did we lose Jeff? We just we just lost Jeff. All right, Bobby, try to get him back on the air. They, are you there, Jeff? It's really interesting to see how this okay. plays out going forward. Yeah, so we lost you there for a second. So uh, you cut out for a minute. So you believe that coming back here that the PGA Tour will increase their revenue enough? Or uh, I've, I've talked about this earlier today. If the Masters decides, if the Masters decides that we're not going to let live golf players, because the Masters can do whatever they want dating back to Martha Burke, the racial issues in the 40s and 50s, if the Masters steps up and puts pressure on these great golfers that they can't play at Augusta National, wouldn't that help clear this up? 
All right, we got a bad phone line with him, Bobby. I can't hear him. So uh, let's try to get Jeff back on here again because I want to talk about these important issues with him. 702-365-9200. Unbelievable. 702-365-9200. This golf story is massive because the amount of money that's going to be forced to come in at this point in time. Uh, How the PGA Tour was running a great tour, still is, and all of a sudden they're being held hostage by Saudi Arabia to put more money into the PGA Tour. And if they don't put more money into the PGA Tour, more and more golfers are going to live. So, Jeff, as I said, we got you on a secure line now. Do you think the Masters can have the final hammer to come down on the live golfers and say, hey, you're not going to be able to play Augusta if you play live? Yeah, that would be the easiest solution there because the other uh, majors are going to have their criteria, which they can obviously change. But the Masters, they can do it straight away with their invitations. Uh, the other interesting to see is how the official world golf rankings is going to handle this because the live applied for it. And if the board members pass it, that's going to help solidify the live. So there's a lot of things going on in play. What is the handle like for live golf? How do you bet it? Who, how, how do you put the number out there? How difficult is it for you to handicap compared to what you do on the PGA side? Oh, it's really not that. It's just like uh, putting up a number for the DP World Tour or any other event that's hmm. not the PGA Tour. And, uh, you know, we booked the first one in London. 48 golfers are involved in this. Uh, the handle was, was second to the PGA Tour by a wide margin. We wrote about eight times more on the PGA Tour than the Live. But the Live will outright any other tour we do between the LPGA, the seniors, uh, the DP World Tour, especially as the names keep growing into this. Uh, so we did outrights and we did tournament matchups for it. So it's pretty much a staple of what people are, are used to betting in golf. Uh, what was the liability like for you for Matt Fitzpatrick winning the U.S. Open at Brookline. He was about a break-even proposition for for us. We closed him at thirty to one, and he was a popular selection because of the, the narrative about him winning the amateur on that course. Mm-hmm. So he'd been playing well. People know that he finished well in the PGA Championship, almost won that one, and then with his history on the course, so there was a lot of tickets on him. So it was about break-even. Jeff Sherman is our guest, and I haven't talked to you since the NBA Finals and the Warriors. I know the early liability for Brooklyn and the Lakers, a lot of Laker money early in the season. That washed out quickly when they didn't make the playoffs, and Brooklyn got bounced early. But as the number changed with the Warriors, did a lot of sharp money come in on the Warriors as they cruised through the postseason? Uh, it wasn't sharp money. It was a lot of public money that we saw. And, you know, we opened the Warriors at 8-1 to last year, which was aggressively low, so they were a good position for us all the way up until the finals, and then uh, we had Sharps that played Boston, but then when the price got low, a lot of money for Golden State, which overrode that. So uh, we had some liability on the series price from the public. Jeff Sherman is our guest. Tell me about the NBA lottery coming up here and uh, setting odds on this with the first pick overall and where you stand over at the Westgate. Yeah, we just put this up yesterday, and you'll have until almost like the NFL draft, the night before the draft starts to bet this, and we put up the first overall selection. And it involves Jabari Smith, who's a minus-160 favorite. Paolo Bancaro now is the second favorite at plus-230, and Chet Holmgren plus-285. And when we opened this up yesterday, Bancaro was 16-1. to And we've seen a lot of sharp money drive that down to the 2-1 to range. So it looks like Holmgren is out of play almost for the mm. number one pick. And it's between Jabari Smith and Paolo Bancaro. Jeff Sherman is our guest. So let's move on to the Stanley Cup now. There's a lot of changes with coaches around the league, especially one in Vegas here. But what did you think on Tampa Bay when they went down 0-2 and they were really dominated in Colorado and how that changes the number going forward after their impressive win last night? Yeah, and that's the thing is when you see a dominating effort like that against a professional team, especially the pedigree of Tampa Bay, 
uh, you expect the team to bounce back and not just the same result to happen at this point, which we saw last night. And now we've shaded to Colorado in the next game off of their loss. So we have Colorado a small favorite the next game. The series price, we have the Avalanche minus 310, Tampa plus 260. So obviously an important game next game. Yeah, Tampa plus 260 after winning two cups in a row. That's very interesting to me. I want to quickly move on to baseball as a Yankee fan, the first team to get to 50. And it's been impressive how they're doing it this year with their sluggers, but especially their pitching. Uh, The Dodgers at times a little bumpy up and down. Machado gets an injury, but it's not season-threatening. And the Mets are still around there, but they're not getting a lot of press in New York because the Yankees are getting all of it. Can we talk about World Series odds and how they've changed recently? Yeah, we've had a first-time shift in the favor where we've got the Yankees as now the 4-1 to favorite and the Dodgers behind them at 5-1. to So the Dodgers had been the favorite since we first put these odds up, but no longer. And you can see that in the other markets, too, with Judge being the AL MVP favorite at even money and the minus-110 favorite to uh, lead the league in home runs. So all this coinciding to Yankee support, and uh, it's led them to be the favorite. But like you mentioned, the Mets, too. They've been very attractive lately. They're at 9-1. to one. So there are only four teams in single digits. The Astros, the other one, at 7-1. to one. Wrapping it up with Jeff Sherman. So, Jeff, let's spend the, uh, the end of our time together talking about Deshaun Watson as you put up every Cleveland Brown game and then the win total for the Cleveland Browns after the settlement today of 20 of 24 civil cases. What does that have you thinking about him not playing and maybe being suspended for an entire year? Yeah, you know, last week we ended up taking down a lot of their betting options until there's more clarity mm. with this. The season win total, the playoff prop, and basically weeks uh, weeks 2 through 18. We have week 1 up, uh, and, you know, we could just maneuver that when we see what happens. But I'm expecting some type of suspension to happen, especially because this is some type of admittance to guilt by uh, by agreeing to these uh, these lawsuits. So, um it's, we took it down now. We expect mm-hmm. some type of ruling from the NFL in the next month, and then we'll go ahead and make adjustments as we see. I don't expect Rob Gronkowski to move the season win totals, but he announced his retirement earlier today. What do you think about that? What's the season win total for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, we have them at 10.5, and we made no adjustments to it. It affected none of their odds, and there almost is the expectation that towards the end of the season he might want to come back and just you know, sit this out and get ready for playoffs and that type of thing. So we're not putting too much stock into it. Is there a team that you moved up the win total number two from seven and a half to eight, eight and a half to nine? Has there been any movement over the last couple of weeks as people are coming in and out of sit and city? Any movement with the team? Just on prices at this point. No, okay. no uh, numbers on a, a half a number or a whole number or anything like that. But a lot of prices, and I know we've talked about the Raiders and. The Raiders are seeing a lot of support on over eight and a half, so people think that we hit the bottom number on that, and it's going one way. Thanks, Jeff. We'll talk to you in two weeks. Always appreciate your time. Okay, thanks, JT. Jeff Sherman over at the Westgate, the sharpest sports book in the world. We appreciate him coming on every two weeks. Raiders still at eight and a half. Man, Raider Nation, what are you doing? Eight and a half's the number. You think they can win nine? Eight and a half means the Raiders have to win nine. If they don't win nine, they win eight. You have the over, you lose. A lot of cocky Raider fans telling me they think they're going to win 10, 11, 12 games. How are you going to bet it? If you're a Raider fan, don't you save some of your Cerveza money? Put 100 or 2 on the Raiders season win total? you got to park your money for a long time. But a lot of Raider Nation thinks that's a lock.